Today on the Colin and Samir Show, we are interviewing YouTube's chief business officer, Robert Kinsel. The boss man. I think he's all of our bosses. Technically, he is our boss. So we got to connect with Robert to talk about the future of YouTube, how creators are viewed on the platforms, alternative monetization, like how are people making money outside of advertising, and really just understanding where is YouTube going over the next 10 years. And how is YouTube stacking up against some of the other platforms who are starting to invest a lot of money in creators? One of the most interesting things is that we ran a bunch of polls across Twitter and YouTube. And the most striking poll was we asked people if they'd rather have 5 million TikTok followers or 50,000 YouTube subscribers. 51% of those people chose 50,000 YouTube subscribers. That's crazy. That's really The majority of people would choose to have that many less followers. And what you're starting to see is also anyone who makes it on any of the other apps kind of graduates to make their career on YouTube. And there's a reason for that. So we dive into that with Robert. And really, it's an awesome opportunity to talk to someone who's at the executive level at one of these platforms and the platform that we've made a career on for the past 10 years. What would you be doing in a world without YouTube, Colin? In a world without YouTube? Yeah. What would you do if YouTube didn't exist? Well, you know, like I've said before, I thought I was going to be a banker just because everyone into finance. Let me say, I think you would be not a great banker. Oh, I totally yeah. wholeheartedly agree. Be I would be a, a terrible, terrible banker. banker. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would be losing people's money all the time. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. Right. So I don't know. Really. Okay. I guess I'd be lost. <laughs> all right. So without Robert, we'd all be lost. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This is our conversation with YouTube's chief business officer, Robert Kinsel. I think the first thing we'd love to hear from you is, you know, obviously we know you're the chief business officer, but what exactly does that mean? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Who are you interacting with? What are your responsibilities? Yeah. I ask myself the, the very same question. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, so I'm, I'm responsible for uh, the, the gr- a group of people that manage creators on YouTube. And, uh, you know, from the smallest, you know, I grew up in, in, um, Czechoslovakia a uh, long time ago. So I like to say all the way from the kid in Czechoslovakia, all the way up to the largest media companies, you know, whether it's Disney or Universal Music and everybody in between. So, so YouTube has, YouTube has the single largest um, partner management program and it's the single largest content licensing entity in the world. So um, there are a lot, there's a lot of people's work that goes into that. And people with many different skill sets, whether it's sort of high touch approach with deep domain expertise in different verticals like gaming or music, or uh, or it's people who have incredible scaling um, uh, capabilities, and they work, you know, they they make magic work at scale. And we have to meld these cultures together within one team. Um, so that's that's the team uh, that I run. And, and it's team, you know, that's in 45, 46 different offices around the world uh, because we're a truly global platform with 80% of our watch time outside the United States, right? So it's it's truly a, truly a, a global enterprise. Uh, but at the same time, in order to make YouTube work, um, uh, I also have a team that is focused on distribution of YouTube. And what that means is that we want to make sure that YouTube works on every device no matter how small or how big, and and that uh, and that it works consistently, that all the same ad products work, same discovery mechanisms, all of that. We have a sense of how YouTube fits into our business as a media company. 
How would you say creators fit into YouTube's business? Sure. So the best way to think about it is that if you took the totality of YouTube, let's say all of YouTube's watch time, about 50% of it is YouTube creators. 25% uh, is music. So that's represented by artists, you know, many of which are with record labels and, you know, and there's publishing companies who represent songwriters, et cetera. So all of that is 25%. And the other 25% is media companies, traditional media companies, say Disney, NBC, et cetera, Star in India. And, um, and, and them using YouTube for uh, building audiences around their ancillary content most of the time. Uh, and, and having success with it. Well, late night talk show hosts, you know, putting up their shows on YouTube and getting greater and extending their reach basically that they get on television. Music and media companies, they were here before YouTube. And, um, and even today, you know, they're, uh, um, they're publishing content in many different places. YouTube is one of them. We enhance them, but we're not their go-to you know, publish first type of a place. YouTube creators are, um, you know, most of them grew up on YouTube. I mean, there are other platforms that most grew up on, on YouTube and uh, most become cross-platform, but we become part of the initial publishing um, venue for them. And we are kind of part of their core business. And because of that, YouTube creators are, because of their size, et cetera, and not having enough voice in the traditional space, YouTube creators are actually much more unique and much more exclusive and special uh, than the other parts um, uh, of media because they have many different distribution options that they're traditionally been used to. The creator segment is also growing the fastest uh, out of all the three segments. So, so we look at YouTube creators squarely uh, as the core of YouTube. Uh, the core that's growing the fastest, and the core that is that is the creative economy. So for us, it's 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 basically, you know, it's the central pillar of what YouTube is. But it's really yeah. the best way to think about it is those three legs of the stool, and this one is sort of the fattest, you know, biggest. Yeah. So obviously, right now, like uh, the creator economy, it feels like in the last year has exploded in a different way. Uh, obviously, we've been a part of it for a while, and it just seems like. Uh, something has changed and obviously other platforms are getting in uh, and committing to creators. We saw a graphic that was going around on Twitter that compared the commitment, the financial commitment from platforms to creators. And it had obviously Facebook at a billion and it had YouTube at a hundred million. Uh, and I saw that you chimed in there on Twitter. I'm curious, uh, do you think there's something that's misunderstood about YouTube by creators? And why did you feel the need to chime in there in that conversation? Um, I thought it was fun. Uh, so that's one. Two, uh, it's, uh, you know, like I've lived it, right? And, and YouTube has had a partner program since 2007, meaning they were sharing uh, our revenue since 2007. Um, so uh, I, I know when sort of these different funds are being announced, sort of what game is being played and, and how it's being positioned. The single most important thing that you can do for creators is that you, you have a partner program, that you're sharing the revenue that's coming in day in, day out, year after year after year. 
that is the single biggest thing that one can do uh, for creators. A fund can be there and fund can disappear. Partner program is there and it's not disappearing. And for us, it's been there for 14 years. So, so that's why I, th I think it's, uh, it's, it's completely uh, like looking at apples and oranges when you say, well, somebody is really committing because they have a fund versus somebody like us who spent $30 billion on content with creators over the last three years. It doesn't matter whether it's a fund or RevShare. Right. RevShare is actually harder and it's much more meaningful because it's like you're getting it no matter what, right? And, then, and you can, you know, provided that there's stability to your uh, video output and your views, it's a stable check that's coming. So so that's why I thought it was fun to yeah. chime in because, uh, you know, uh, the positioning of YouTube as the small fry in that. <laughs> like, okay, great. And among the funds, sure, in totality, I would like to welcome all of the other platforms to share as much of the revenue as we do. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a very hard thing to do. So is that, so have you ever, or have you stated like how much money was paid to creators last year? Or is that, is that the number you just mentioned? Uh, or is that the number yeah. of how much is split with creators? Yeah, so, so, so we've, uh, we've published, uh, I think five, five months ago or so, we've published our $30 billion figure, which was over the last three years that we paid out to creators. It was actual checks coming out. Um, so that's a pretty sizable thing. Yeah. Uh, you guys know your ref share with us, right? And you can see through, you know, Google earnings calls, YouTube, YouTube, uh, revenue is being highlighted as part of that. So you can do your calculations and you can, so you can start seeing how meaningful our payouts to the creative community are. It's, yeah. It is, uh, it is, a, you know, we are the, um, the single largest, uh, content licensing entity. And, um, and it's amazing because we're doing it differently, right? We do something different than Netflix or Amazon or Apple do, uh, who commission movies and TV shows and pay for them discreetly. We have a partner program that is paying creators like you. And again, also media companies and artists, right? The way I was describing through the three legs of the stool, but we have a program that pays it day in, day out and it's very large. And, um, and that's, that's how the community. Uh, gets created around it and and it's not just the united states it's you know every country other than china and north korea you know every co uh, country around the world and um and to me that's also exciting because it's a global community of creators and if you travel uh you will actually find that creators all around the world are very similar they have different programming approaches obviously but they're similar in the things that they do in order to succeed. And, you know, just like I was talking about you guys being multi-hyphenites, there's so many creators around the world who are multi-hyphenites and, uh, and they, they take similar approaches to you, uh, you know, to build their businesses. So, so that's to me, the unifying force of YouTube, you know, sort of unifying around creativity yeah. is like really cool. That's like, that's what gets me excited. So this is a question from all of our fellow creator friends, um, but they just asked, like, would YouTube, I don't know if this is a you question, but um, would YouTube ever consider either doing away with thumbnails or A-B testing uh, with thumbnails? Uh, um, I'm going to have to punt on the answer. That's fine. Uh, to my colleagues uh, in, in product. 
obviously, thumbnails are, are important as part of the discovery process, but I understand why you're asking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, to be honest, we've been very loose with shorts and just been not caring about thumbnails. And again, that's like, that's changed our barrier to entry of the platform significantly yeah. um, and, and allowed us to develop MVPs. And I think it's just been so liberating, to be honest, to have shorts. It's changed everything yeah. just because it's, we can, we can upload right. to this platform that's our primary platform with, you know, a much uh, lower barrier to entry. So, yeah. Is there anything you can share with us about the plan for monetizing shorts and short form content? Yeah. Um, so, so as you know, I, I just went into extreme lengths of explaining how we, you know, have been monetizing and monetize and share the revenue, and that our fate is tied together with yours, right? Like, if we succeed, you succeed, and vice versa. Um, because of that, so it's like the perfect alignment. We we will apply the same principles to shorts. Uh, it's different. It's a different medium. It's discovered differently. So uh, we're working on it. We're, uh, we're still you know, testing lots of things. Clearly, monetization is part of um, you know, YouTube's heritage, and YouTube Partner Program is part of YouTube's heritage, and that's what we do. Um, we don't have all the answers yet, but we're working on it very busily. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is part of our business model. So um, you know, sort of stay tuned. In the meantime, uh, we have a fund. Right. So, and again, I'm, I'm stressing in the meantime, right. Uh, because we want creators to know that, um, you know, the ones who are creating shorts and that will be resonating with users, uh, they will be making money. Uh, but our main, uh, thrust and activity is towards figuring out how do we share revenue from short, Hey, how do we generate revenue from shorts? And, and then how do we share revenue from shorts? Uh, with creators on a sustained basis, because for us, it's all about sustainability, not some short term things, but we want to make sure that there's a sustainable future uh, for creators uh, with a medium. What would you say is the hardest part about your job? Hmm. Uh, by the way, this is one of the favorite parts uh, doing this. <laughs> uh, we don't do that enough. Uh, you're still busy, but it's, it's awesome speaking with creators. Honestly, that's like, you know, really that kind of recharges the batteries. Um, the, look, the hardest thing is that we are a platform that brings creators, advertisers, and users, right? So we have like three big constituents, and they could be at odds many times in different ways. And we have to make it work. So we're like the ecosystem manager, right? That, that needs, to, needs to make it all work. Same thing on the supplier side, right? We have our creators, we have artists, and we have media companies. And we have sometimes they could be at odds in different ways, it's content claiming, et cetera. And we have to make sure that we meld the ecosystem together and make it work. Just in these two things that I described, it's so much work and, um, and you know, so much complexity. It just takes a lot of time. And, uh, and then you start multiplying it all around the world with all kinds of different local issues and different countries. And you, you find yourself working all the time, right? Because there's just the opportunities large um, for both of us together. And, uh, but the challenges are equally large and the complexity uh, you know, in, in today's world of working for a global platform is very large. So, uh, you know, so YouTube is really made up of people who 
run towards fires, people who are extremely hardworking, dedicated, they get charged, you know, they, they, they love working for an open platform because it enables uh, creators like you, the entire creator economy. And, uh, but it just comes with massive amounts of work. And, um, and I feel like we're just these professional work athletes that uh, <laughs> they just keep on running uh, up the hill all the time. And, uh, but, but again, if we don't like it, we wouldn't be here. Right. And uh, so, so there has to be a higher calling, a higher calling. It's an open platform. Show everybody, you know, um, you know, let, let everyone create, show them the world, right. Make, make sure that's democratized video creation that produces, you know, unexpected voices with tremendous creativity and creates this whole new uh, batch of next generation media companies such as yourself. So, so that's why, you know, I was so excited to speak to you guys because uh, you live what we preach and, um, and you do what we do and you take similar approaches and, and it's just great to see. Yeah. Appreciate it. I have uh, one more question if you have time. Yeah, sure. Um, so th th this is more towards a, a recent, YouTube had recently updated monetization policies around smaller channels or, or channels that had just um, started and pre-partner program. I'm just curious if you could talk through some of those, that, that policy and, and help creators explain it, or sorry, help creators understand it. I think that was something that a lot of creators turned to us and asked us about. And we were just curious if you could. You mean monetization on channels which are not in the, the partner program? program. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, look, it's something that you know. I, I was just talking about us having to manage sort of the, the user, creator, and advertiser, and the, that ecosystem. And it sounds very simple, but it's actually very complicated. And one of the ways that we can drive more, um, so so it's always in, you know, our goal is always to drive more revenue. Uh, because then as we drive more revenue, we're sharing more revenue with you and uh, with creators. And uh, part of our value proposition to advertisers is to provide them with reach. Generally, advertisers look for reach and then frequency with which they can reach those people. And um, sometimes the reach can get limited for different reasons, different audiences in different geographics, etc. So... Uh, while we have lots of consumption on YouTube, if we're purely limiting the ads just to YouTube partner program, we're foregoing some of the reach that uh, we could provide to advertisers, and then that they could in fact then spend more most of the time in the you know on on creators in the partner program. So so we're always looking at levers to help advertisers achieve their goals, and if they do, then they spend more money uh, with YouTube overall. You know, ninety nine percent of which is YouTube partner program. So, so this was a way for us to, uh, to better deliver on the reach. Now, we have rules that exist in order for creators to get into the partner program. So many creators who are you know, on the way up and they're, they're exceeding the thresholds that, let, uh, you know, that get them into the partner program, then they start earning very quickly. So, so that's really, it's really, it was just ecosystem management and, and, it, and it has been working well. That makes sense. What, what do you think creators can do to be better partners to YouTube? I think, I think, you know, I love what you were saying. You were, you were, you were doing better advertisement for shorts than <laughs> I think we can do. Right. And, and I think the, uh, you know, what we, what we want is the creators kind of look at it the way you are, which is 
it's low barrier to entry, uh, low barrier to creation. Let me get going with it. And then I see what, what else I can use it for because the opportunities are endless on YouTube because whether in addition to shorts, I start making longer bot content or I start uh, you know build up my audience, I can charge membership fees or if I do live streams, I, you know, I, I start in super chat and super stickers and, and um, or start selling merch. So for us, the, you know, what we want for creators to do is just become next generation media companies. It's like build out your businesses, keep on doing that because when you do that, it's sending positive signals to the rest of the world about what do we do. And, and when I say the rest of the world, I mean, truly everybody, I mean, advertisers, I mean, um, I mean, users, just anyone, right. That, uh, you know, you, you guys were talking about non-believers, like it sends a message to non-believers that this is a real big force. It's here to stay and it's going really fast and it's producing lots of independent people who are self-employed and then who also become employers over time. And then they become these just wonderful companies, uh, next generation media uh, companies. So let's, you know, that's what we want creators to do. Just use our products and build success for yourself. And when you do that, we are really happy because as I said, our fortunes are tied together. You succeed, we succeed, vice versa. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a perfectly aligned ecosystem. And, um, you know, and if you have problems, reach out to us. You know, like, you know, I described to you the organization of people uh, that I have working for me, like the, you know, everybody's beyond thrilled to help creators. Obviously, there's a lot of work they want us and we're dealing with large scale, but that's why we're here. But now we have your number, so we can just call you direct. Oh, you yeah, now oh, we can just call you direct. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one final question. Um, when you were 15, when you were in your early 20s, what was your relationship to media like? Were you a fan of movies, TV? What was out there for you? Oh, you guys are going to laugh. So, so that was before the internet. So that's one. Two, uh, I was living in a communist country in Czechoslovakia uh, that didn't have uh, free media, right? There was no free press, no free like nothing free. So it was all government owned. So there were two TV channels and um, check TV one, check TV two. And, uh, and, you know, a couple of radio stations and, and a couple newspapers. That's it. So, and, and most of it was local. There was no real foreign content from anywhere. So my, my relationship with that, and, but, but by the way, at the same time, there's an incredibly strong heritage of creativity in Czech Republic, whether it's through music. There are lots of famous composers such as Dvorak, et cetera, that, that came out of there, that's Metana. And, um, and so, so there, are, there are lots of tremendously creative people and it's, it's truly ingrained in the community. And there are lots of uh, successful filmmakers, there are Oscar winners, um, you know, Miloš Forman, um, who did One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest or Amadeus. So, so the creative community is so robust. And um, I used to play cello, violoncello, uh, when I was little. And, uh, and I was in orchestra as well. And then later on, uh, acoustic guitar. Um, 
the so, so I was more like on the creation side. This is what I was saying, like in my next life, I would have been a creator. Um, but um, but in terms of video, I was more of a consumer. And so I guess like you guys, I was an audio creator, <laughs> but, but I was not a video creator. And, uh, and um, so I like to watch, uh, now, you know, now I can say it, but there were these bootleg movies that would be smuggled into the country on VHS tapes back then. And they would record, one person would record all, all the characters. Uh, so there was dubbed, but it was one person. And then that tape, there was just one tape, and that tape would get copied over and over and over and then sold to people. So if you got the, you know, 200, you know, the, the, the copy number 200, that was like out of like, I don't know, like fourth or fifth generation, you started to have severely degraded picture. So that was my experience with, uh, with media, severely degraded fidelity, <laughs> one, one person doing dubbing of all the characters and, you know, probably seeing maybe five of those a year at the most Wow. when I was, you know, at that age That's and, and very excited. So, so, but, but. That in itself, you know, and then the other part was, uh, you know, listening to Radio for Europe and the Voice of America on the transistor radio, which is, it was the only way to get foreign media, but it was heavily scrambled by the Czech government because they didn't want us to hear it. And what we were listening to was music and news. And um, all of this is creating a strong foundation for me as somebody who works for an open platform and sees a value in uh, an open platform for creativity because it's not only about creativity, but it's also access to information and access to expression, right? Free, freedom of expression and, and freedom of information in addition to freedom of opportunity, which is what you guys are a great example of, right? You have the, the opportunity that you've built. So, you know, the fact that I ended up in the job that I do in a company like YouTube is kind of deeply rooted in the way I grew up because it's, Precisely the opposite of that. Wow, that's really not, interesting. Did you see? Speaking of dubbing, I don't know if you saw. Mr. Beast launched his channel in Spanish, Mr. Beast en Español, and it's like a dubbed version of Mr. Beast. It's really fascinating. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's cool. There's, there's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Much pleasure, and I hope to see you in person.